Our friend State Representative Tim Butler is with us. And, uh, well, Tim, I know that uh, uh, we're going to be talking legislative stuff to start out, but I want to get rolling on. Uh, the governor seems to be softening his stance toward reopening Illinois. That certainly has been the theme the last th- two or three days with this press conference. Where do you think that pressure is coming from? Is it the lawsuits or the lawmakers now that he's back in town or whatever? What do you think is changing his mind a little bit? Well, hopefully he's softening. I think uh, – We'll see with actions as we move forward if he's actually softening. But I believe it's coming directly from the people of Illinois through their through their voice and their elected officials, not just the legislature, but local elected officials have, you know, for weeks now been talking about local plans and reopening and trying to make some changes. And, you know, I mean, this is this is what we've been trying to tell the governor for a while. He needs to listen to people engage people, get a collaborative group so we can move forward in, in the best way. So I really think it's the people that have been speaking up over all these weeks that are driving a little bit of his, hopefully, his attitude change on it. Representative, you talk about um, you hope the governor's changing his stance. Of course, we still aren't out of uh, legislative session yet. Um, what do you uh, worry he's going to do? We had that emergency rule he filed late last week that was repealed th- this week. Um, there's talk of uh, some proposal to uh, codify that or maybe a lesser type of punishment, maybe a civil infraction. What are you hearing about uh, the governor and what uh, he's getting possibly Democrats to line up for um, uh, enforcing his stay-at-home orders? I don't, can he? Oh, well, oh can hold he on hear a second. I guess not. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry Greg? about that. They, they, they keep oh. messing with my console. I'm sorry about that. I, just, that first I had a, a wonderful soliloquy. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. A lot of people would probably appreciate the fact that they couldn't hear Greg all the time. <laughs> like <laughs> I just did. Uh, all right. So the question was, uh, Representative. Uh, you said that you're, um, you, know, you hope the governor's uh, softening his stance, but you worry there could be, uh, you know, we're not out of legislative session, of course, uh, so there could be other actions. What are you hearing that could happen with that emergency rule that he repealed this week? Uh, what's he going to do to uh, codify that? Uh, is it going to be lesser of offense, um, like, you know, a, a civil infraction, or what are you hearing uh, behind the scenes there? So I spoke with uh, Keith Wheeler uh, last night. I've spent a lot of time with Representative Wheeler over the last few days, and, you know, he is our... He's the co-chair of, of the Joint Commission on Administrative Rules, and he's really been our House Republican point person on this issue. And, you know, usually uh, we have pretty good discussions on, on these issues, I think, with, with the Democrats. But Keith, Keith says that they have been pretty silent on what exactly they're going to do as far as potentially codifying what the, what the governor wants to do. So I'll be honest, I, I'm not sure exactly what they have planned. Um, obviously, we're... We're on the last scheduled day we're supposed to be in session, so um, things can certainly happen quickly. But um, uh, something, again, along with many things, we're going to be keeping an eye out on today. And, you know, my hope is that they, you know, that they would leave it as is. I think the governor saw the backlash from, again, the the citizens of the state speaking up on his overreach on this. So, um, but I, I don't know what their what their plans are exactly today to try to, to try to do something on that. Now, um, of course, there's a ton of other stuff on the uh, on the docket. Uh, you got a budget you're going to hash through with a bunch of federal um, borrowing that's going to be involved there, apparently. So I want to talk about that. That's, but yes, that's what I was just reading when you guys called, yeah. trying to go through it. So <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, here in a moment. But uh, expanded mail-in voting. Uh, we already have mail-in voting. What's this measure that you guys passed last night? Well, this this is you're seeing this across the country. A lot of states are uh, 
either implementing or expanding their their vote by mail options and and you know I'm somebody who believes I I don't have a problem with with voting by mail if it's done the right way and it's it's done with measures that that protect the integrity of the vote I voted by mail this spring so um, I think we have a robust system currently in Illinois um, we have no excuse voting you can if you want to vote by mail you can you just have to request a ballot from your county clerk your local election authority and they'll send you one. Uh, but what this what this measure will do will send an application out to every person who was registered and or voted in the 2018, 2019, 2020 elections. This is a massive expansion of vote by mail. And additionally, one of the things that we talked a lot about yesterday is the fact that this allows local election authorities to set up these vote by mail drop boxes, which literally have no security features built into them in the legislation. They're not even really defined in the legislation. So you can take your ballot, drop it off at some drop box. It's up to the county clerk to determine what it's made of, where it is. There's no security measures whatsoever. And that's just ripe for potential fraud. So this is this is a massive change in election law. It's something that, you know, in usual years we would debate all spring long. But, you know, the Democrats are jamming it through at the, at the last minute because they think they can take advantage of of changing the vote, um, the way we vote this fall. What do you say, though, to those who have concerns? We're talking with uh, State Representative Tim Butler. Uh, what do you say to those who have concerns that, you know, it's a pandemic, we need to do everything we can to keep people safe for the election that comes up November? Uh, what's, what's your response to that? I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. We have, again, we have great tools at our disposal currently to take care of that. You can vote by mail in Illinois, um, uh, no problems whatsoever. If you want to vote by mail, you can do it today, and and you are able to participate in it. If you didn't want to go out to the polling places currently under a kernel, you can vote by mail. You can vote early for up to 40 days in Illinois. You can vote early, so we have that in place. You can vote on Election Day. You can do whatever you want. I mean, we have the systems in place. We don't need to implement a new system. What we need to do is, is take some of this funding give it to our local county clerks to help them minister these elections uh, and also let them promote vote by mail. Let them do what they know best about contacting the people in their counties about promoting vote by mail. We don't need to send the ballot application out to everybody, especially without, um, and, and I brought it up several times yesterday, the fact that we're not, we're not ensuring that the local election authorities are going in and and properly vetting their roles, their voter roles, like they're supposed to before this next election. We're looking back to 2018 election, so two years ago, uh, to, to get the data for this. And we have no assurances that, that county clerks have actually cleaned up their roles. So I, I guarantee you there will be ballot applications going out to plenty of people who are no longer at that residence, no longer properly registered, and, and things like that. Representative, can we hold you through uh, to the top yep. of the hour? Awesome. All right, great. Because um, there's a ton of... <laughs> no, no, no kidding. <laughs> trying to fit a whole spring session in three days. Uh, holy cow. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll get to we'll let you take the commercial break, look more at the 2,000-plus page budget, uh, and then we'll get a full book review uh, right after the break. Yeah, Is that no cool? pressure, Tim. You can no just pressure. go through it. Yeah, five minutes. Yeah, you should be able to you, go through and answer all of our yeah, questions. Yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> okay, yeah, there you go. News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY morning news feed. Chris Murphy and Greg Bishop and State Representative Tim Butler is joining us right now. Representative um, gave you the commercial.
commercial break there to digest that entire 2,000-plus page <laughs> budget. That's amazing that you did that, yeah, too. Can, that you, can you send me the cliff notes on that, Bishop? Yeah. I'm sure you, well, yeah. From, from what I gather, it's going to be, what, like $40 billion, roughly. It's about the same that it was this current budget, and it's going to have a bunch of borrowing. Billions and billions and billions times five budgeting for borrow, uh, borrowing for the budget. What's going on with this budget? Uh, give us a kind of a top-level view. Yeah, I think uh, you hit it pretty good there. Uh, what we've heard for a few days now is that is that the Democrats are looking at a budget that's that's relatively flat with with the current fiscal year, but it is going to have to uh, rely upon uh, a lot of borrowing, and it's going to rely upon um, you know the the idea that the federal government is going to come through with with uh, money for the state, which I, I think a lot of it is, is yet to be determined if if we're actually going to see that. Um, you know, I again, I, I've said this for for a few weeks now. I think we should wait on the budget um, uh, for another month. I mean, we have until July one to put a budget in place. If we spent the next several weeks uh, getting better figures on where we're going with the with the revenue coming in the door, having a better idea of what the federal government might be doing for states, I think it would be the smart thing to do. See, Obviously, that, a lot of times, a lot of times, we don't do the smart thing around the around. I was the just going to say that that sounds like common sense. You're, you're asking for a lot there. <laughs> yeah, in typical years, though, it's you know, there's always a mad rush. The final few days. Last year, you guys had an extended session, yep. um, so yep. it's the final few days. Uh, you know, and it takes um, a, a super majority of votes after May 31st to pass a budget. You're saying essentially that you're fine waiting past that budget deadline. Uh, that vote majority de- uh, the threshold just to ensure that we get all of the data, look at what the federal government's ultimately going to be uh, making available, and then get more bipartisan support to uh, pass such a budget. Yes, right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, the the fact of the matter is, if we don't have things enacted by the end of May, yes, it it goes from sixty votes to seventy one votes in the House to pass something that is effective immediately. So a budget would be that. Um, it would take 71 votes if we go into June to pass a budget. I remind you that the De- Democrats have 74 members in the majority, so they can they can pass a budget today at 60. They can pass a budget a month from now at 71. No problems whatsoever. Wouldn't even need a Republican vote on it. I would think that over the next month, if we would actually sit down and talk about it and figure out a path forward um, that that works for everyone, you you could see some some bipartisan support. You know, we're going to see what happens today. Obviously, I don't know if we will uh, actually wrap up today or not. I'm interested to see if we go into the weekend, which is some of the things I started hearing last night is potential that we might be around this weekend and not get it all done. But, but Greg, you hit it right on the head. I mean, this is this happens every year, and it's ridiculous the way this is done. Um, you know, we have been in session since since January. The pandemic's been out there for two months, and there really has not been. Uh, uh, a great discussion uh, collaboratively to figure out a budget. And, and this is what we get ourselves into, a rush at the end of session on a $40 billion spending plan. Representative, there's so many other issues um, that, uh, you know, they're, they're out there. Uh, conflicts of interests, uh, questions about corruption, uh, ethics reforms. Uh, you've got uh, all two, these two things, things. That just property two, tax two, relief. I mean, two things you haven't heard since we've been back in session. Marty Sandoval and Louis Arroyo. Wow. You know, I mean, we, we had huge. It was on ethics, everybody's lips earlier yeah, this year. Huge ethics things going on when, when you know, we were in session back in February and March. The, the Ethics Commission was supposed to issue a report two months ago, the end of March, and, and they, the, the commission 
which is, you know, majority Democrats on it, has ignored this. It completely ignored the ethical uh, things that we were trying to get done in, in the General Assembly. And that's ridiculous. We had time to be able to develop that report. We have time to be able to take action to to rein in some of this this behavior. But obviously that's been that's been ignored by the by the Democrats. And it's really unfortunate because, you know, we're probably going to get out of here this weekend. We're not going to be back until the fall, until after the election, and we will not have addressed it. As a deep excel, thinking about having to work this weekend, uh, the possibility of that. Oh, boy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) You love it. Put your face face shield on and get get to work. That's what I'm doing, man. Tim, Tim, this to him is like game seven of the Stanley (laughs) Cup final for us. That's true. I don't follow sports, so this is my I have to work this weekend. Uh, I have to watch game seven of the Stanley Cup final. Finals. Oh, I feel, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Greg, I think you should go out and get one of those Devo head masks. I think things. so too. Yeah, yeah. That would be great. Um, that, Did you see uh, uh, Senator perfect. Oberweis? <laughs> he oh, had one of those. He had one of those, like you know, face masks that was a clear face mask that oh, yeah. uh, hangs from your forehead all the way down. Yeah, is that the, yeah, does that I constitute mean, a face covering? I don't know. You know, I mean, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I, I don't have a problem in the face covering thing. I really don't. Um, and I, I want everybody to be safe, but I think you know one of the things that that we saw yesterday Get after after, yeah, after they after they kicked out Representative Bailey is the fact that he saw multiple Democrats taking their face mask, mask off to, to give remarks sure. yesterday. And it's on SJR. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a hypocrisy. Yeah. Hey, listen, thank you, Tim. We'll Appreciate it. It's uh, seven o'clock.